0: Good morning. My name is Jeremy Kitchen, I'm the Executive Director at Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. Appreciate y'all joining us for our weekly uh, podcast. This is episode two of the week ahead, uh, where we intend to kind of talk about what's happening, of course, in the next week or so in the Texas legislature and Texas politics nationally, um, things that are important to Texas taxpayers. Um, I'm going to start off by introducing, of course, we've got Tim Harden, our fearless leader President and CEO of Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. Good morning, Tim.
1: Good morning. Good to be here.
0: And then we are joined again by special guest, Vance Ginn, PhD, economist, a research contributor here at Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. Good morning, Vance. Hey, good
2: morning, guys. Pleasure to be with you all.
0: And so we'll go ahead and get into it. Uh, The things we intend to kind of sort of talk about today, of course, we had a big, uh, you know, state of the state address take place Thursday evening last week. So we'll talk about those agenda items and what those mean for Texas taxpayers going through the remainder of the legislative session. And then we'll also talk about the corporate welfare revival effort taking place in the House, potentially the Senate, potentially in the legislature as a whole um, and what that means. And then, of course, uh, we're starting to get some, committee hearings and stuff so let's start off with the state of the state address uh you had governor abbott uh, this was the second time normally this is something that's uh it's taken place uh in front of a joint convention of the legislature um the the governor lays out kind of his agenda his vision for the the, the legislative session um and and beyond really and uh This is the second time you had it, the first time happened, of course, during COVID, where the governor opted to do it off-site in a kind of private location, uh, invite only, um, and then laid out what seemed more kind of a campaign style, if you ask me, uh, approach to this? Lay out his uh, seven um, uh, agenda items. So, Vance, I'm going to go ahead and start with you, if you don't mind. Let's um, let's roll through. I guess the seven. We're particularly uh, focused on two of them, uh, but wanted to get uh, your thoughts.
2: Yeah, Jeremy. Um, you know, we we kind of previewed some of the things that we thought we'd hear last week on on the show, and. I think there was a lot of that discussion um, was had. Uh, you did talk quite a bit about the property tax relief, which was also his budget was released today as well. The governor's budget was. And that was the number one thing. Um, there was mention about the 15 billion dollars uh, about being the historic property tax relief. Uh, but as we've noted you know, multiple times now that the 15 billion dollars, at least the way that it's laid out in House Bill one and Senate Bill one, um, it is not a record property tax relief. When you break that down, about $9.7 billion, so let's say two-thirds of it is going to new property tax relief, and only about a third of it, uh, $5.3 billion, it's actually going to old property tax relief. So it's just maintaining the stuff that had already been done in 2019 and 2021. Um, and so if this is the same $15 billion, then that, a lot of that's just going to old property tax relief. And, and by the way, it doesn't go up to – What's needed in inflation-adjusted terms for what happened in 8 9, when there was about 14 billion dollars put towards property tax relief? In inflation-adjusted terms, that would be closer. Than we would need now. So there's there's something missing there for sure. Um, and even in the you know the budget numbers that he came out put out today, um, talked about you know 10,000 more dollars in homestead exemption on school property taxes for senior citizens. Um, small businesses targeted relief with an increased exemption for business personal property taxes. You know, those are, those, those are not across the board types of relief that we really need across the state with so many people having affordability issues given their property taxes. Um, There was the mention of universal, you know, school choice education savings accounts. I think, I think that's a very good thing. Something that we need here in the state, especially when you state see states like Arizona, West Virginia, Um, Iowa, these states have already passed it this year. And so we really need that here in Texas as well. Um, But then there's also some things like in his budget that I was reading today, Jeremy, talking about um, paid parental leave for state employees. I'm not not sure that that's the the role of government that we should be having. And so I heard a lot of spending. Um, I'm hoping that somehow that will turn into more tax relief because that's really what we need. We've got $32 billion in surplus funds. Uh, meaning that it's been extra excessively collected by the state from taxpayers that should go all back to taxpayers, and so those are some of the key highlights that I saw.
0: Tim, what do you think about uh, uh, the, the the items? I'll, I'll roll through the seven after this, but at least the two that we're particularly interested in.
2: Yeah. Yep. So,
1: um, so you know, I think it's incredibly disappointing because we have we have been. Uh, You know, playing that clip of him uh, at the Beto, and and he said his goal was to eliminate school property. Hey, Jeremy, are you still there? (laughs) And so um, we're disappointed that he did not mention MO elimination, uh, since, you know, he used that rhetoric to get reelected in in his debates. And so the fact that he did not promote one of the many bills out there would, in fact, put us on a path towards elimination. Um, is, is disappointing. I think the second uh, disappointing thing is the number he's using, right? They're, they're continuing, like Vance said, to peddle this $15 billion number, which is a fake number. Uh, it is it is purely political rhetoric. 5.3 of that is old compression. Uh, and, and to go even further, that, uh, that 9.7 number, of that 9.7 actual uh, amount of relief, 3 billion of that is a homestead exemption increase. And the homestead exemption increase is vastly inferior to rate compression. And the reason specifically this go around to give an example is, you know, we're, we're going or they're attempting to go from $40,000 homestead exemption increase up to a $70,000. That's $30,000, okay? Most folks know if you're homesteaded that you have a cap on 10% growth on your uh, your taxes. And so if you take the average Texas home, which is about three hundred to $350,000, we Take a ten percent growth of that. That's about thirty thousand dollars. We're increasing the homestead exemption, thirty thousand dollars, and so this is going to be a race uh, almost immediately. And so uh, I, I would I would assume that most people who pay attention to property taxes understand this. And so, in my opinion, this, this thirty you know thirty thousand dollar increase in homestead exemption is a gimmick, uh, just to kind of puff up that number. What we would like to see is them abandon that and then go with straight rate compression. And of course, you know the the last point is you know to, to trumpet the historical relief with inflation adjusted numbers, which is I think very fair. Uh, that would actually put us around twenty billion dollars. And so we are not even halfway there. Uh, and but we continue to, to push this narrative that we are there and that it's historic, but it's old compression. It's inferior uh, property tax relief. And it's only about half of what we actually need uh, to to get the job done.
0: OK, um, you know, the, we alluded to there are seven items. Of course, we talked to talked about two of them. I think, you know, we'd be remiss in saying we are very you know, grateful that uh, cutting property taxes is named as an emergency agenda item. Of course, we talked about uh, the kind of focus on whatever school choice ESA program would look like. You know, As a reminder to folks, there are seven total, the first one being cutting property taxes, the second one being ending COVID restrictions forever, third one being education freedom, um, which of course we talked about would take the form of an ESA or education savings account, uh, the fourth one being school safety The fifth one is ending revolving, uh, revolving door bail, so bail reform, which has been an emergency item before Uh, the sixth one would be doing more to secure our border, and the seventh would be addressing the fentanyl crisis. Um, I think it would be remiss in saying, and I don't mean to throw our speakers a curveball and um, saying, you know, we've allocated over $4 billion to Operation Lone Star or our border security efforts. I believe when I checked the proposed budgets, uh, they're they asking for um, almost five $5 billion. It's like $4.7 billion in the proposed budgets. Um, it's certainly worth maybe not talking about, but the questioning is kind of the efficacy of what winning looks like um, on the border. And so I think for taxpayer purposes, you know, it's the state is stepping in, obviously, in the absence of the federal government's action on the border. Um, I think from our purposes and Tim, Vance, y'all chime in, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we'd be looking at whether or not if we're going to allocate billions more for this, what are the qualifications for success? Did any of y'all want to chime in on that topic? Seem to be having some Twitter issues with connection and stuff. Uh, okay, well, for what it's worth, for those that are listening, it is something that is on our radar. Of course, it is an emergency item, um, obviously. So, uh, you know, there that the question as we go through the remaining, I guess, 80 days or so of the legislative session will be whether lawmakers also, if they just kind of write a blank check for things like the border, or if they all, if they kind of put in some qualifications as to what it looks like, right? Are apprehensions leading to people uh, leaving the state, right? Is it is it costing taxpayers more? That sort of thing. Let's, pivot real quick uh, to the next topic, which is the corporate welfare revival effort uh, that's taking place in the House. For those uh, that do not know, um, the uh we this has been on our radar for a while. We had heard of course that this was going to happen uh that they uh, especially the House House Republican leadership was interested in reviving the largest corporate welfare program in the state of Texas, formerly known as the chapter three thirteen tax abatement program uh, that actually expired on december thirty first of last year and uh you know we had been on the lookout to see okay if they're going to revive it what that looks like that revival effort was. Filed late Thursday evening uh, last week uh, by state representative, Republican state representative J.M. Lozano. It took the form or takes the form of House Bill 2421. So I think the question in our mind is uh, whether or not this is going to be ran through. Does the Senate support this sort of thing? Does the governor support this sort of thing? Um, and so uh, let me, uh, uh, I'm going to invite you to speak real quick, Vance. Um, if you don't mind, maybe opining on this topic. Let's see if we can get this to work. I don't know why we're having issues this morning.
2: Yes. So on the um, taxpayer abatements or property tax abatements and these Chapter 313s, uh, that was for school districts where they could provide a, a tax abatement for mainly big businesses and also a lot of unreliable sources of energy, you know, quote unquote renewable energy sources. Uh, those projects could be for. 10 plus years in many cases, and they are supposed to provide a certain number of jobs and everything else that really was a lot of window dressing, <laughs> didn't really actually do a lot of those things. But what it does do is it redistributes those dollars around or the burden of those property taxes to other people. Because what they're not doing is reining in government spending at the local level, which has to be paid for somehow, right? Because of the balanced budgets that they must have, um, at least on paper. And And so it just shifts that burden Uh, And so while there may not be the exact same Chapter 313, there does seem to be a push, whether it be um, in the the state of the state discussion by Governor Greg Abbott or in his budget that's released today. There is additional discussion about having some sort of incentives in place. I mean, it it talks about the Texas Moving Image Industry Incentive Program, the Texas Enterprise Fund um and then some discussion about these types as well so i think that there will be a push to have something like chapter 313 unfortunately um you know look i don't think this is a role for government to be picking winners and losers in the marketplace um and you know the the the, the businesses that use this most often are your larger businesses or renewable energy companies is that who we really want to be helping instead you should want the best tax situation, tax structure possible. So everyone benefits in the process. And, you know, that's why I think folks like us are really pushing for lower, compressing the school district m property tax rates, because that's the way where everyone can feel the benefits, whether you're a large business, a small business, um, a taxpayer, property owner, right? A renter, um, everyone feels the benefits of that. And I think that's why it's so important to do so. And, and oh, by the way. They should also be have. They should also have a spending limit at the local level, to where if a city or a county or or a special purpose district has excess revenue, which they which they likely would with a spending limit, then they could they could compress their own property tax rates. And I think that would be um, an ideal scenario to where we could get to elimination of property taxes, which is the ultimate goal. Because otherwise, you're just kicking around the edges, right? We're just kicking the can down the road. And um, I'm hopeful that we could see more along those lines instead of just picking winners and losers with a new Chapter 313 or some other form of exemption.
0: Tim, do you have any thoughts on this subject? I mean, obviously, we knew this was coming. Um, you know, I, I'll i be frank. I thought this would maybe come in the last week of bill filing. But of course, it's been filed. We don't know. It's unclear. Um, To my knowledge, it has not been filed, or a companion has not been filed in the Senate. Uh, Do you have any additional thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, I would just kind of point to the fact that, you know, uh, the fact that we, one, they use the term, you know, incentives, right, which is just a euphemism for corporate welfare. Uh, And, you know, we oppose corporate welfare as an organization, no matter who it's going to, whether it's going to oil and gas companies, whether it's going to Facebook or Tesla. uh, And it's just in really bad form. And this is just a really, I think, bad take on uh, from Texas politicians that, you know, in a year where Texas taxpayers are suffering under property tax reform and have been told for the last few years that we got historic reform, yet nobody's bill is going down. uh, We successfully were able to kill this $11 Eleven billion dollar corporate welfare program last go round, and they're immediately trying to bring it back and give tax incentives, i.e., corporate welfare to large multinational corporations. People like Facebook uh, get incentives from Texas, Tesla, all kinds of woke corporations that are have constantly been caught, you know, opposing conservative agendas, canceling conservatives, uh, and for some reason we haven't learned the lesson. Uh, that the best incentive for businesses is a minimal government interference. We would have a much better outcome if government just stepped out of the free market and let it work and quit taxing businesses and individuals to death. But for some reason, we think that we just have to keep pouring tax money down Polling doesn't show that. When businesses have been polled about why they come to Texas, it's a very low percentage of businesses that even consider tax abatements uh, and, and corporate welfare. Uh, they come to Texas because of our economy uh, and because of the culture. Uh, that is why they're moving here. And so we need to wake up, and the answer is not more incentives and corporate welfare. The answer is getting government out of the way and allowing the free market to work. So we, we should oppose these in any form they take for any industry that we want to target
0: it makes you wonder almost who is supporting it, right? I mean, I think there's an obvious answer, but both the Republican and Democrat platforms, right? These are the two major political parties, the only two represented in the legislature. Both of their platforms include opposition to corporate welfare, right? Or And and specifically for the Texas GOP platform, opposition to revival of the Chapter 313 program. It's explicit. And so I just, y'all's thoughts maybe on who is supporting this? Is it just the benefit, the the businesses that benefit. Why is it that you think that lawmakers, for whatever reason, want to continue uh, to to bring this this sort of uh, program back?
2: Yeah, Jeremy. I mean, um, there was a um, there was an outlet in Fort Worth that just released a article yesterday talking about that. I think two hundred plus businesses and associations are calling for another incentive program. Um, some sort of exemption or something like that, because they were saying that, look, we're already losing jobs. We're losing businesses because chapter 313 expired in December. Um, and it's like, okay, show me those jobs. Show me where that's actually happened. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is this is groups like Texas Association for Business, Texas Association of Manufacturers. I mean, these are large organizations. Um, Texas Taxpayers and Research Association, TATARA. I mean, these are the types of groups that have a lot of businesses backing them. So what, of course, do they want? They want to put money so that they can get more money, more tax breaks to go to them. So this is the, a perfect example of, in cho- public choice economics, we talk about rent-seeking. This is exactly what rent-seeking is. <laughs> Whenever you're trying to win votes and get uh, politicians to give you handouts, and, and we need to stop that. This is not a role for government. I believe our founding fathers would be rolling over in their graves Right. Um, See, thinking that these things are happening when we really should be shrinking the size and scope of government at the state and local level, the federal government as well. But but mainly, you know, right now we're talking about state and local government. And then that would allow for the opportunity for people, for businesses to want to move here and things of that nature. Um, It's already showing that they're wanting to move here, even without that program. So I think that this should be down on arrival. It will get a lot of publicity for both the right and the left, unfortunately. Uh, But this this has got to go away.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's let's pivot real quick just so everyone is aware, right, this week we do kind of have the first real House committee hearing. So, of course, today is day 42 of the 140-day legislative session. The House and Senate will not convene as a body um, until tomorrow. Uh, but you do have uh, the House sub, uh, appropriations subcommittees beginning to meet this week on various articles of the proposed state budget. Uh, for those that may not be aware, the state budget itself, uh, at least a proposal that'll make its way through the legislature, um, will actually start in the House this session. So um, that'll take the form of House Bill 1. So the House Appropriations Subcommittees are starting to meet this week. Um, You've also got the Senate Finance Committee, who's been meeting over really the last few weeks. They'll have their last hearing On Tuesday morning this week uh, to take test uh, testimony over Article two, which is health and human services. So just be aware of that. I believe the House Appropriations Subcommittee uh, meetings taking place this week are public. So if anyone's interested in that, you can find all of that relevant information on the House website, uh, if you're interested in testifying um, in front of those. But of course, uh, what we're trying to indicate here is that the budget process continues, um, obviously, and uh, it'll continue um, here over the next few weeks until they, as a body, start to finally vote on these things. I want to remind everyone, you can find all of our information at Texas Taxpayers, Texas spelled out, Texas Taxpayers.com. Find us on all kinds of social media and what have you also at texas taxpayers um you know stay tuned obviously we'll do this weekly mondays at 9 a.m we also do a kind of end of the week podcast called taxpayer talks that goes live on thursdays um if you're interested in that but you can find all of our content at texastaxpayers.com i hope everyone has a great week